Hey everyone, welcome to The Compass Church, or more specifically, welcome to Easter at The Compass. My name's Jake, I'm our online pastor and our Three Rivers Campus pastor, and we are thrilled that you have joined us for Easter at The Compass. Now, bear with me because I've always wanted to try this, even on a digital platform like you're listening to right now. Ready? It goes something like this. He is risen! And then you say, he is risen indeed! All right, let's try it just one quick time. He is risen! Okay, you sound great. I'm gonna just assume that you joined in with us. Now, all of that being said, we are thrilled, fun aside, to be celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. And we're gonna do just that and talk about the abundant life that we have available through him. So let's join our senior pastor, Jeff Griffin, and start that message together now. Happy Easter, everyone. So grateful for all of you at the five campuses of the Compass Church and my friends online. Thank you for joining us in this celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Today, this is so cool, I I come to you from the Garfield Park Conservatory, this largely unknown gem on the west side of the city of Chicago. Friends, this place was built back in 1907. It was designed by this genius. His name was Jans Jansen. He was from Denmark, and from a child, he had, he had a fascination with all things green. And he was commissioned by the city of Chicago to build the, at least at the time, largest greenhouse on the planet. And friends, it's amazing. Some of the plants here are over a hundred years old, dating back to when Jans first planted them. This is so much fun to give you a little tour of this botanical wonderland. love this place. Isn't it amazing? I, I love plants. You know, I was a biology major back in college. No kidding. And I just have to say that biology is the king of the sciences. Sorry for offending all of you chemists or you physicists or you geologists. I mean, you can study non-living things, study a rock, and admittedly, they're interesting. I like rocks. But living things, friends, life, that's what we're here to talk about this Easter, that which is alive. And wouldn't you know, my biology studies are helping me. When God led me to be a pastor my senior year, I thought all that education was a waste. But today, we're gonna lean into some of that as we study life. And friends, I wanna tell you that biologists have noted that though life characterizes all living things, it's a different level of life. In fact, they've divided all living things into five kingdoms. Young people, do you remember? One of the kingdoms is the Monera. In the Monera kingdom, they're tiny little single cellular organisms, bacteria. Bacteria are so basic, they don't even have a, a nucleus, and yet, They are the most numerous organism in all of the earth. Do you know that in a single drop of ocean water, you will find a million bacteria, a million organisms. 
There's a lot of bacteria. You know, slightly more complex than the Monera is the Protista, the Protista kingdom. They're also very small, like most of them are single cellular, but they've got a nucleus. There's a little more to the cell. A lot of algae fall into the category of the Protista. And that would bring us then to the fungi, fungi, mushrooms, you know, and mushrooms. Now we're getting to a different type of life. Mushrooms are multicellular. In fact, some mushrooms are huge. Do you know over in England, they've got the puffball mushroom that can, that dome can be as big as three feet wide, weighing 45 pounds a, a single mushroom. Mushrooms are great, but they're living off of dead things. They're decomposers. Let's go up even higher in the life scale to plants. Plants, oh, I love plants. Plants, these creatures that come in the form of ferns and trees and grasses and bushes. Plants have the capacity to capture the energy in sunlight, harness it, and enable them to grow to immense size and beauty. Plants are alive, you would agree. But is there something even more? Yes, friends. That brings us to the fifth kingdom, the animal kingdom. Animals, now they are alive, capable of seeing and hearing and moving and reproducing and thinking and creating. Animals are amazing. Friends, don't you see that Yeah, many things are alive? but not everything is alive at the same level. You know, even the animal kingdom, is, it's, it's not all the same. Think about it. There are a lot of animals, they're all alive, but their level of vitality is very different. An earthworm, an earthworm's an animal, it's alive. But then you compare it to a mouse, totally different. And then you go to a dog. I mean, a dog is alive and capable of interaction. It's interesting, the law protects a dog in the way it doesn't a mouse. And then obviously you go even higher to human beings. We who are created in the image of God, capable of interaction, relationship, love, creativity, worship, human beings. And yet, Jesus taught us that even within humans, there are different levels of life. Jesus developed biology, if you will. Christ was having a conversation with a guy by the name of Nicodemus, and you can find it in the early chapters of the Gospel of John. And he said to Nicodemus, hey buddy, you're interested in what I offer? He says, Nicodemus, you need to be born again. Jesus was saying that there's two kinds of people. There's some people, most people, they have life at the physical level. Jesus said, but there's the twice born people, the single born people and the twice born people. These are people who have spiritual life. They not only had the physical birth that came from their mom, but when they became a true Christian, when they were reconciled to God, they came alive at a whole nother level. 
Friends, the doctrine that we're studying now is called regeneration. The Bible teaches that at the moment of salvation, something radical begins in us. Life at a whole different level. We become alive in a way that you and I, we were made for it. And so it's time for us to study together how it is that we can experience life at the highest level. Friends, we are studying what Jesus' resurrection came to bring. Do you realize that? The resurrection of Jesus is his change from death to life. And through his resurrection, we can go from spiritual death to spiritual life. This higher form of life that Jesus came to bring, we call it Zoe. At least that's the Greek word for it. You know that our New Testament is a translation of what was originally written in Greek. And the, the Greek word for this highest form of life is it's Zoe. It's an interesting word. It differs from bios. That's another word that's used in the New Testament. Bios is what we get biology from. It's another word for life, but it's life, the physical life, normal life. Zoe is this Greek term that's used for this divine life, this higher life that comes only to those who have been twice born. Now, when we're talking about us getting Zoe, this higher form of life. You may be wondering, Jeff, are you sure this is an appropriate topic for Easter? In what way does it connect to the resurrection of Christ? Well, it turns out it's very connected. Again and again, the Bible says that Zoe, this higher form of life, is offered to us in conjunction with the resurrection of Jesus. Let me just show you quickly. Here, here are four examples. There are more, but I'll read these four. In Ephesians, it says, God gave us life, Zoe, when he raised Christ from the dead, the resurrection of Jesus. And in Peter, 1 Peter, it says, we have been born again. When we hear the phrase born again, that's a reference of being born into the Zoe life. We have been born again because God raised Jesus from the dead. Or in Colossians, you became alive when Christ arose from the dead. Here's one more. Romans 6, when God brought Jesus back to life, you were given his new life, his Zoe. It's interesting. I like that last one. In fact, I want to highlight, you were given his new life. What that means is that Christ, when he resurrected, when he went from death to life, Christ in his resurrection form was embodying the greatest vitality in the universe. And we who are Christians are given some of his resurrection Zoe, some of his eternal life. There's a divine transfer where Christ, the resurrected Christ, gives some of his life to us. And so, with that said, let's dive deeper into this conversation with Nicodemus that Jesus had about Zoe, life, eternal life. This is John 3, verse 3. Jesus said to Nicodemus, Unless you are born again, you will never get into the kingdom of God. Here's that born again experience. Uh, it's confusing. It was to Nicodemus as well. Look at verse 4. 
Born again, exclaimed Nicodemus. What do you mean? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus said, physical birth is not enough. You must also be born spiritually. Isn't that interesting? So Christ is making it really clear that the human being has the capacity for two births. One, the birth, our physical birth that came on our birthday, you know, when our mother gave birth to us. But the second experience that Jesus is zooming in on is a second birth. It's a spiritual birth, not when you gain physical life, but spiritual life. In fact, Christ said in verse 6, people can only reproduce human life, but the Holy Spirit of God gives new life from heaven. Friends, do you see this second life, the Zoe life that's available to those who are reconciled to God? It's a spirit made thing. You know, we, we reflect our parents genetically because we come from them. Well, the second birth is from the Holy Spirit. And as a result, we reflect God, uh, specifically Christ. It, it, it's, a, it's a birth where, again, the very Zoe life of Jesus is placed in us, Christ in us. This new life is straight from Jesus, and it is awesome. In fact, I'd like to tell you two things about this eternal life, the, the, the Zoe. First of all, when we think of eternal life, uh, we, we naturally think of heaven. And it's true that it's manifested fully in heaven. That's when we'll have the Zoe to the hilt. But it starts now. This is an important distinctive. Uh, don't, don't wait for heaven. The Zoe starts now when Jesus taught Nicodemus that you, Nicodemus, right now, you could be born again. You could start this eternal life today. And so, yes, we look forward to it in heaven, but don't wait, friends. Let's, let's enter into the fullness of this Zoe, the, the life we were made for. Secondly, uh, eternal life is not just quantity, but it's also quality. You know, when Eternal life, that sounds like quantity. That's like lots of years, like forever and ever and ever, never ending. And it's true. It is never ending. But if, if life were only more quantity, but not quality, that, that would be hell. Friends, what we're looking for is a quality of life. And sure enough, that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying physical life, that's at one level. But this spiritual life of the second birth, it's so much better. And sure enough, the life of Christ in us, it's awesome. Well, let me just give you some little biblical examples of how great it is. This phrase, Christ in us. It's all over in the Bible. The, the life, the Zoe life of Christ in us. It's manifest in this. His joy is in us. No, no kidding. Jesus said in John, my joy is in you. His delight in life infused into us. That's part of what it looks like. His love. In 1 John, we find that we love others with the love of Christ. His power. Ephesians says that his power is at work in us. His passion. In 1 John, it says, we hate sin 
because of his life in us. Before people are born again into the Zoe life, they, they can dive into sin and all kinds of rebellion, and it really doesn't bother them that much. But when you have the life of Christ, you have new desires, new passions. You hate sin, and you long for beauty, the, the inner beauty of living God's way. This passion, that's Christ's passion in you. One more. Uh, his thoughts. It says in 1 Corinthians, we have the mind of Christ. Part of his life being in us is that we start to think like Jesus. As we approach people, we, we think about them as Jesus thinks about them. As we approach each day, we, we view a day as, as Jesus does. Oh, we come alive. Friends, I, I remember when the Zoe life of Christ came alive in me back in college for the first time. I had all of a sudden this love and joy and power and passion and new thoughts. It was like my life had started all over. That's why it's called new birth. This is such a profound, miraculous change. Let me tell you just a little more about it. There's one more thing I want to tell you about the Zoe life and the quality of it. There's an interesting verse in John 17, 3 that says this. Eternal life, Zoe, is knowing God. Eternal life is knowing God. The essence of eternal life, the Zoe, is the capacity to know God, to relate to God, to be in friendship with God. It's interesting. People who don't have the Zoe connecting with God relationally, experiencing his love, these are foreign concepts. It's, it's almost like they lack the capacity to relate to him. Well, when Zoe enters into us, it brings us to a higher level. We're able to relate not only to people, but now to God and his eternal cause. I'll give you a little example. Like, uh, this is my dog's uh, Perry the platypus, all right? Uh, if I throw this to our dog, Wrigley, he goes crazy. He grabs it and shakes it around. Poor Perry's tail is about ripped off. Uh, the dog has gone nuts. And yet if I take the same dog toy and throw it at an oak tree, the oak tree will not respond. The oak tree's alive, but it's a life that's incapable of interacting with a dog toy. Now, the dog is a higher form of life and capable of interacting with great vigor. But God is the highest reality for human beings to interact with. And to interact with God, you've got to get the Zoe. You've got to have this God-given capacity to know that the invisible is real. Sense his presence. Taste of his love. One of the greatest benefits of the Zoe life within is a renewed capacity to interact with God himself. Friends, I, I believe in this Zoe so profoundly. In fact, my belief that we can be born again into new creatures, it's evidenced in a decision I just recently made. I invited a new friend named Mike Berman into my men's small group. And the fact that I invited him into the group is shocking because Mike just got out of prison. No kidding. He served nine years for the crimes he committed. And you may be like, Why, what are you doing bringing a criminal into your small group? Yeah, some of the guys in my group were wondering the same. Friends, here's why. He's changed. 
In prison, he was born again. He got the Zoe life. He's got Christ within. He is nothing like he used what he used to be. Uh, let me tell you, Mike, uh, years back, he, he had everything going. He was married at first and a good job where he bought a house, but then life collapsed when 08 hit and the bank uh, mortgage market just went nuts. Mike lost all his money. Mike lost his wife. His world was collapsing. In fact, let me invite Mike to tell you a bit more of his story. Going through the divorce uh, was devastating for me. I had just built a brand new house and then we went through the divorce. The 2008 market crash happens and all of a sudden I was completely upside down financially. I was about a half a million dollars in debt um, and I was getting desperate. Uh, one night we were coming out of the bar, uh, a friend of mine, and we committed a robbery. We thought we could uh, get away with it pretty easily and make some really quick cash and some, a lot of cash. And uh, I thank the Lord nobody was hurt, um, but it was, it was definitely the dumbest, the dumbest thing I've ever done. I wasn't sure what to do, I kind of panicked. Um, the guy that was with me that night, my co-defendant, he had some friends down in South America. So after, after the, the crime had occurred, um, we decided we would uh, we'd go down to South America. We weren't ready to face the music. When they came and arrested me, uh, it was pretty dramatic. Um, the, the local authorities came in force, beat me up pretty good. Um, yeah, I was, I was pretty bloody following that encounter. When they brought me back to the United States, I was notified that I had been sentenced 40 years while I was gone. It floored me, I was pretty uh, just devastated when they told me the news. And from that point on, I was, I was looking, at, looking for ways um, to kill myself, to end it. My life had completely spiraled out of control. And at that point, that was probably the lowest point of my entire life. They sent me to Stateville a Correctional Center. Um, my cellmate there uh, was a Christian. He gave me a Bible, a little Gideon's Bible, and told me about Jesus. Probably a few weeks later, they sent me down to Shawnee. My cellmate there was a Christian, and he was reading his Bible. He was, a, he was an old Latin king gangbanger named Freddie. <laughs> and and Freddie, Freddie loved the Lord, and he loved reading the Bible, and he used to tell me about it. So eventually, he convinced me to pick it up. So I, I, I started reading the Bible, and I couldn't put it down. But when I gave my life to Christ, it was the most amazing moment ever. I was just crying, and I'm not a crier, but um, that was, it was, it was, there were tears of joy and peace and love. And I felt that love and mercy and forgiveness that I'd never ever experienced before. Uh, I'd never felt that, that intimacy with God that I felt that night. It, I, it felt like hot oil from my head down to my toes. I felt like I was floating off my bed just in His presence. And no drug or sin or experience can ever give you that. Only the Lord can. And I experienced it that night, and I believe that's when I was born again and, and filled with the Holy Spirit. And it was from that point on, everything changed. I'm telling you, the guy is totally transformed. Before he was spiritually dead, but he is alive. He has been resurrected with the resurrection life of Christ in him now. now 
you, you may say, how, how do you get what Mike got? How do you get born again the Zoe life? Jesus knew that this was an important question. And so he told Nicodemus in that conversation how to get the, the new life. Here's what he said. This is John 3, verse 14. In the wilderness, Moses lifted up the bronze serpent on a pole. I also must be lifted up on a pole so that anyone who believes in me will have eternal life. I, I understand the last part of that. You know, anyone who believes in Christ will have eternal life. But how does that relate to this bronze serpent back with Moses? Oh, I love this, friends. This is so fun. What Jesus does with Nicodemus, you know, Nicodemus was actually a Bible scholar. So Christ refers to Numbers 21, this event that took place thousand years ago in ancient times. Here's what it was. So the Israelites were in a bad place spiritually. They had been wandering in the wilderness and had grown bitter against God. You can read it again. Numbers 21 says that they shook their fist at God and cursed him. This horrific sin was punished by God with snakes. The Lord allowed venomous snakes to enter their camp. And when these snakes started biting some of these Hebrews, they were dying and people were getting bit all over the place. And in their panic, they looked to their leader, Moses, who looked to God and God said, all right, here's the plan. Moses, I want you to make a bronze serpent. Put it on a pole and hold it up. And if the people want to seek my solution, they can come to me, look at the snake, the bronze serpent. And God says, I tell you, when they look at it, they will be healed. They will be saved from death. So Jesus helps us understand this obscure passage because it was confusing. People are like, why the bronze snake? I guess the snake biting us, it symbolizes our sin and rebellion. That makes sense. But why is it on a pole? Uh, friends, Jesus said, look, it, it's, it's all about me. It was a pointing to me. Christ takes our sin upon himself. And he was crucified up on a pole, a cross, and Jesus said that's what it was all about. Just as they looked at that serpent held high, so we must look to Jesus, the one who was crucified on our behalf, and looking to him, that's what it means to believe in him, to gaze dependently upon God's saving solution. You know, sometimes it's hard for people to trust in God's solution. Even back then, I imagine some of the Jews were like, I ain't going to... God to look at his bronze snake on a pole. I'll take care of this problem. You know, the old Rambo would cut his arm and suck the venom out. I'll solve the problem myself. It's humbling to come to God and say, I need your solution. What do I, what do I need to do? You know, I think of my brother. I have a brother who's a firefighter paramedic. And Many times he's gone on a call and found it's too late. The, the guy's already dead. You know, they arrive at the house after the wife has called saying, I think he's having a heart attack. But by the time, again, they come, he's gone. Sadly, earlier on, he was feeling chest pains and he could have picked up the phone and dialed 911, called for help, gazed on a solution outside of himself. But pride 
keeps people from eating crow and saying, I need help. And they'll ignore the pain, hoping that they can get over it. And in the end, they die. It takes humility to look to God's solution and say, I'm relying on Christ. Interestingly, you know, when we talk about this serpent on a pole, I just happened at lunch today upon an ambulance. Did you ever note the sign on an ambulance? Take a look at this picture. Yeah, friends, uh, that, that's the universal medical sign. Uh, you'll see it on hospitals. You'll see it on ambulances. That symbol of medicine, of healing, dates back to the Greek uh, gods, ancient Greek mythology. There was a Greek god by the name of Aclepius, and Aclepius was the god of healing, and his symbol was a snake on a pole. And, you know, it's interesting. A lot of scholars, they don't know why. Why, why did this snake on a pole and Aclepius become symbolic of healing? Well, it turns out that the answer is found in the Hebrews. Yes, the Greeks were aware of the ancient Hebrews. There were uh, Jews who were traveling to Greece. And it was the ancient story of Moses and the snake on the pole. So every time you see an ambulance, friend, you think of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Think of Christ raised high on the cross as the only hope of getting life, of going from spiritual death to spiritual life, to look to Christ, to trust in him. Don't try to do good works and earn your own way into heaven. As long as you rely on yourself, you're out of luck. Looking to Jesus is how you get the Zoe, both life now and uh, robust and also life eternal in heaven. And with that said, I want to give you a chance right now to dial 911. <laughs> To gaze at Christ dependently saying, I'm trusting in the solution God brought because I want the Zoe. Would you pray with me? If you want to trust Christ and find life eternal, this is your chance. This Easter marks your born again experience. Lord, we, we just studied an exceptionally important passage and we see that the, the once born those who only have physical birth, were lacking the life we were made for. Because of our sin, we are separated from our God and this life. So right now, we want this, Lord, to be the moment of gazing upon Jesus. As those Jews gazed upon the serpent lifted high on the pole, so we look to Jesus Christ and say, you're our only hope. We're not going to rely on trying to earn a place in heaven to get right with God by good works. We're going to rely on the solution you provided, Lord, Jesus Christ and him crucified. Jesus, we're dying, dialing 911. We're calling out, save us. Take our life both now and forever. We want Zoe. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have decided to put your faith, hope, and trust in Jesus for the first time like we just talked about, please let us know. You can do so at any point by going to thecompass.net slash Jesus. We want to make sure you have the resources available for you, the celebration that you deserve, and just the way that we can follow up with you for some tangible next steps for you to consider. 
I also just want to let you know that our mission here at the Compass Church is we want to be all about helping people find and follow God. We are excited to do that week in and week out through ministries like this podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in doing that, you always can by going to thecompass.net slash give. And again, if you put your faith in Jesus for the first time, you have officially hit the jackpot. You have all sorts of things like hope and peace that are available to you in ways that you have never experienced before. Join us again starting next week where we kick off our brand new series called Jackpot, where we talk about the mind-blowing benefits of Jesus. Looking forward to having you join us then here at the Compass Church.